Life is monotonous. We're often wrapped up in our thoughts as we move from place to place. We can become blind to the environments and objects we interact with. Neon was founded to elevate the everyday. So say Mark Dixon and Velina Coivisto, otherwise known as Neon. They work together from their studio in Margate, creating fantastical architecture, art and design. Their projects are usually large, sometimes very large, and they invite you to interact, to touch, to feel, to listen, to see. I first met Mark and Velina when I was working with the British channel ITV on a project to have a different artist create an artwork based on their logo every week. I really loved the project that Neon produced and I enjoyed the way that they think and they approach things too. In this conversation, which was recorded sometime before we'd become familiar with the words self-isolation and social distancing, we talk about their mission to elevate the everyday. We talk about how they function both as a collaborative duo and as a couple. They tell me the stories behind their projects. This interview is going to want to make you go to Ethiopia if you didn't already. And they let me in on how they managed to keep up a steady stream of paid public commissions. The interview was recorded in two locations, so you might hear a small change in acoustics halfway through. Wherever you are, please make yourself comfortable, sit back, relax and meet Neon. Hello, Mark. Hello. Hello, Vilina. Hello. I'm very pleased to have you both with me today. And I thought I would kick off with a, with a question of some size, um, which is this. On your website... <laughs> I start to get nervous now. Yeah. <laughs> it says that your, your ambition is to elevate the everyday, which yeah. is a very simple statement, and I like it very much. And I wondered if... It's not a tough question. I wondered <laughs> if you could just expand on that a little bit and, um, and tell me what that means and, and why it's important to you and what you do. Yes, I think that idea came about when I was working in... I, I'm, a, I'm a trained architect and I, you have to do a number of different periods of work as, as part of that training. And so I was working in my first job and I was doing this thing of like travelling to work and back from work and travelling to work and back from work and I just felt like... Uh, for me and maybe most people, life was quite monotonous and, and I tended to do the same thing every day and I found it quite mundane, I suppose, the kind of journeys that we go on and the days that we have. So I think uh, we were really interested in, in kind of working in that world where we sort of change people's everyday lives and the things that they take for granted, they sort of see in new ways. So uh, I felt that that was quite a powerful thing to focus on. Sometimes it feels like a lot of people focus on their, like, the holiday that they have once a year or the weekend when that's when they do what they want but then maybe we want to or that's I guess for both of us there's something about the like enjoying the everyday life the now and, yeah yeah. So. yeah now what's the Swedish word lagom where it's like the kind of everyday is enough the normal is enough and yeah. I think that's quite a nice concept somehow because yes. We like we don't. We can only spend two two weeks a year on holiday. Yeah. We spend most of our time living our everyday life, which yes. involves the normal things: taking I don't know, going to shop at the supermarkets, going to work, coming back from work, and going to the park. And those, so, if if our work can kind of somehow elevate that experience, then that's quite. It has a big impact, I think, on on uh, yes. people. Yes. One of the things about your work 
is it feels very stimulating to the senses. Uh, there's, a, there's a great diversity in the projects that you've done, which we'll, which we'll talk about. But it seems that you, you, you make work that invites people to engage with it, to look and listen and to touch and feel. The thing is that we want people to have real experiences where, um, I mean, having a background as an architect, Billion as an artist, we're, we're interested in the idea of physical space. And so uh, if we can produce spaces and experiences like no other, then that's something, I think, uh, really special. Let's, let's talk a little bit then about... You, you are the first duo that I've had on the Wind Thieves Hat. Thanks for In episode you. 15. Yeah. yeah, no, you're very welcome. <laughs> Thanks for both turning up. And... Um, uh, and I, I'm really interested in why you are a duo and why you find it more fruitful to be working together rather than individually. I think if you maybe compare our practice with maybe, you can't, you can out, can't make over generalisations, but maybe a lot of artists work in a sort of studio way where they, they will develop their kind of um, artistic identity and it will almost exist separate to the, the outside world. So it will become this thing that's their own I suppose and uh, it's not it's not so much working with external stimulus we work on things that are site specific so I don't feel like any of our projects are purely our own but they're actually made up of a series of conditions which are to do with the site or things that you want to express about its history and therefore I feel that that kind of project is suited to a collaboration and so I, like we collaborate as artists and architect but there's also clients engineers and all sorts of people who collaborate with us to make the projects. And through do, working in that way, the projects become something that none of us could have imagined. Mm. And uh, it's far more open. I think we love the idea that um, each outcome is kind of unknown, but a, a kind of a sum of its parts, and mm. some of the people that worked on it and the things that, that kind of surround it. Mm. That's really nice, uh, yeah. Because I, I suppose uh, you're quite right that a lot of people, um, a lot of creators are... You know, it is their work and they make it and they have a sense of the outcome and they go on this journey. Yeah. But at the end, it's their, it's their name on it. And, and, and um, having looked through a number of your projects, you get kids involved or, or local exactly. people. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and so that, that um, collaborative element, relationship at the heart of the thing sort of expands beyond you two. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so within our process, we'll have stages where we talk a lot and we'll bounce ideas between us. And each of us, obviously, because we've got different training will come at it from a different point of view. So that tends to kind of stimulate that kind of uh, journey into the unknown that we love. rather mm-hmm. than Because I think, I mean, many people will face this. If you're on your own, you sit down in a room and you have to come up with an idea, you often will revert back to the last thing that was successful. Yeah. So it's too easy just to go, I know this will work. It was good last time. I'll do a variant on that. And a lot of artists, you see their work, they're, they're kind of iterations of the same idea. Yeah. And although I feel all of our projects have got a kind of DNA to them, I think each one's quite unique in its own right. So I'm going to challenge you now. What, 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 what do you think that DNA is? What, what is, the, is, 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 there a, um, is there a common core? I mean, they're, they're very different expressions of, um, yeah. of, your, of, of, of a neon studio project. But yeah. is, is there a common core running through them, do you think? Materiality is really important for all of the neon projects, and often the material relates to what the project is. So we've done a project that's... Uh, uh, pavilion that sat outside uh, the pump, uh, an old pump house, and we use for this flexible pipes that pull water out. Uh, imagine, we imagine they pulled water out of the ground. So there's a real relationship between the material that we use and uh, the site and the brief. And through using different materials, you end up having different forms because materials have different properties mm. to them. 
Villina, you, you, you trained as an artist. You yeah. went to art school, did yes. you? Yes. Yeah. And was that in Finland? Yeah, that from? was in Finland, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what, what was your um, preferred medium? I guess it was more focused on like concepts and then like you choose your media based on what the concept needs. Often then people did start to like focus on other things. I think I did more maybe like uh, videos and animation and that sort of things. Okay. I also used to collaborate with other people that I studied with and then we would do yeah like a lot of different things so. Yeah. yeah. And how, how long were you out of art school before you met Mark? Um, well I actually did my masters when when we'd already met, uh, but between that, I, there was a couple of years, I think. That was, okay. So yeah. mo- most of your professional working life, you've been working with, with Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is your partner in real life, I yes. discovered just yeah. before that, <laughs> at the start of the interview. Um, yeah. That's right, I won't get too personal. <laughs> uh, um, so, and, and tell me about the, so, and you trained as an architect, yeah. Mark. Yeah. You, you went through the full seven years. Of the whole seven years. The whole, the whole yeah. shebang. Yeah. So tell me about the orientations then, your, your sort of sensibilities from, uh, do, do you find that there is a, it's an interesting noise. <laughs> yeah, it's a bone cruncher. Uh, do, do you find that there is a, you, you have a slightly different perspective when you approach a project, given your, your mm. difference in background? I think often uh, Valina often has the clarity of thought that I perhaps don't have. Right. And so that your kind of training in terms of thinking about concepts yeah. Yeah. is a real strength, which you would yeah. maybe learn at art school. Yeah. Um, so there's a sort of higher level conceptual yeah. awareness about the yeah. core. That's thought. me conceptually <laughs> you're, you're aware. Sort of soaring above like <laughs> yeah. a creative eagle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking, looking down on Mark with his bricks and yeah. yeah. materials. And maybe I, I approach it more like um, I have a series of ingredients in front of me and I want to, I'm, I'm like a maker, I suppose, yeah. where I, I want to see what we can achieve with those, those constituent parts so yeah. that the, the, all the little bits I'm good at maybe piecing things together. I don't mm. know what you think. Yeah, and it's all the technical skills that come from yeah. the architect school, like, the, like all the 3D modelling and that sort of things that like makes it so much faster to to try out different ideas. You talked about them working it with multiple sensors. Yeah. So we might have things like uh, a film as part of the outcome, or a soundtrack, which is part of the experience. Or we might we've done big light installations. So I think Valina often would have a higher level, like be able to kind of understand the experience maybe of the non-physical things. The, yeah, like maybe. The yeah. way that sound might impact our, the right. way we perceive an artwork. Yeah. And you might develop those, like the sound pieces or the videos, and yeah, yeah. the kind of non-physical stuff. Do you have you found that there is a, um, a sort of a process that you generally follow with, with going from the brief to the, to the solution? Yeah, um, it always starts with loads of uh, as, like asking questions and listening. I think part of, part of the way we are is we're really, well, I want to use the word sensitive. But I want like empathetic. I suppose is the right. is the word. Uh, but it's often exhausting for our clients when they first meet us because we'll absolutely drill them with so many questions about about the certain projects because I think often you can kind of get get under the skin of what the thing what what they're thinking and what the kind of ideas they want to focus on are um, but after that stage we'll go away and maybe drink a few beers and talk about how it might how it might progress from there yeah uh, and then there's well it's just like a sort of an architectural design process where you do a series of sketches that you share with the client yeah. 
and we review amongst ourselves, and then it will get it will kind of get more and more detailed in terms of resolution and, and technical. Yeah, the kind of technical resolution of it progresses as we go, really. And you you have to um, you have to pitch, don't you, for quite a lot of the. Um, I noticed on a few of your your projects, it says you know one of five practices invited. Yeah, exactly. To. Yeah. How how, um, how comfortable are you with that? We're really aspect. comfortable with failure and rejection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get pretty thick skin actually doing this yeah. sort of yeah. thing, and you have to. You, it was really at the beginning. It was really heartbreaking because you put loads into it, and you think I can imagine probably yeah. not going to get an op- another opportunity like this. But I think as you get more experience, you know that if we don't get this one, the next one will come along. And actually, every one of these pitches is a, is a chance to impress a potential commissioner. So yes. we sit in a room, and there's three or four people that will then remember who we are. Remember we came second in this thing, and then they'll ask it. It works like that. They'll ask mm-hmm. us a year later to do something else directly. So mm-hmm. it's a chance to impress the people with the money, basically. And even if yeah. we don't build those projects, then they, that thinking process is always helpful, that then it might lead to something else, that yeah. we get another idea. Or yes. So, so you, you've become quite useful. philosophical about the, the benefits of, yeah. of, have of, to. of failure, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I've done a lot of pitches over I time. And I have sort of mixed feelings about it because it's it can be it can be heartbreaking, as you say, when you've committed to something, yeah. you believe absolutely in the idea. But I think one thing that having to pitch all the time for business does is it brings a real rigor to your creative thinking. You know, you really think about the decisions you're making and the outcome of those decisions and, and it brings a sort of clarity, mm. I think. And sometimes when I work with people who you don't have to pitch regularly. There's a little bit of fuzziness, yeah, there, and they're not always clear as to why what they're proposing. They're, they're sort of the rational framework for for what they're mm. doing. And I guess in order to be successful, you have to um, you have to carry people along from the from the brief to your proposal. Yeah, exactly. You have to sort yeah. of convince them from uh, the design sketch stage that you've thought about everything. Which, like you say, it does bring a lot more rigor. And I think on the, maybe when we've experienced just getting directly commissioned, we're, we're a bit more like loose. So I think it is it does have a certain strength to it, having to really like you really push to get these commissions when you're in a competition. And so by the time you've won it, you're you're rocking and rolling, I suppose. Yeah. And I think yeah. something that also helps with the rejection is that understanding that we don't know the the whole picture like behind the project. So we do what we think is best for that but the client is always the one who knows best what what's the best possible yeah. option that they can have so it's not personal like yeah. it doesn't mean that ours is bad it just might not be the right one for that one yes. so it's like we do what we think is the best and if they don't think it's the best it's not the best and it's all right yeah and then there's always new things and yes yeah. like and, and you you've uh, some of the projects that are on your site are projects presumably that you've pitched and that yeah. weren't selected but that you're still proud of and illustrate a different aspect of your practice yeah some of the ones that are on our website we still have them so we develop a whole set of images and drawings so that they'll become ways of winning bigger projects in the future yeah and it's yeah is is, is there one project that you, you you like stands out as one that you would have loved to have made that that, that got uh, uh, there was one project that we did and uh, we were working in Ethiopia at the time I don't know if we <laughs> but well, the internet in Ethiopia was sketchy. There's only one provider, and it's run by the government. I don't know right. if we really want to go into this, but maybe it's off the record. But uh, <laughs> we had to up- upload this tender thing, and we just couldn't get the drawings and images and everything oh, no. to submit. So we missed the deadline. Because we we had to download something 
than uh, software. So- software yeah. or something, and it was just impossible with the internet. Yeah, and it, that was the project called, it's called Waterfall. It's the center at the top of our website. It's this sort of rippling uh, oh, kinetic yes. project. So yes. yeah. that would have been a really big deal if we'd have won that, yeah. but then it didn't even get the off the ground. We didn't even get it judged, but we'd no. done all the work. Right. So that was mm. quite depressing, wasn't Still, it? you were in Ethiopia. We were yeah, it's, that it's was a hard amazing. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and when you were in Ethiopia then, let's, let's talk about a project. So was that things, the things that we do? Yeah. yeah. Um, so as I understand it, and maybe this is a good test of <laughs> my research, that was a project where you were sent descriptions of objects that were used in Ethiopia and, and Kenya. Yeah. Right? And then you had to, from those descriptions, try and design the object which local fabricators then made, yeah. and then you sort of compared them to the original object. That's well is remembered. That, is that, is that yeah, really good. And well. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's a lovely project. It was lovely. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy a bit of travel myself, so yeah. Ethiopia is quite high on my list. So I'm jealous from that perspective. You should go. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It nice? oh. Yes. Yeah. Go to Danakil Depression. It's so amazing. Did I show you pictures when we met? No. Oh, it's amazing. It's like this. It is so Instagrammable, but you can't like. There's not good enough internet there to Instagram it. But it's like this. It's this landscape that's like it's very low and very hot. It's the hottest place in the world, and it's uh, tones of like uh, greens and yellows. It's acidic, and it's just like something you've never seen before in your life. It's so spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been incredibly dangerous to go there up until about a year ago. Yeah. Because it's, it's on the border of Eritrea and Ethiopia, right. so yeah, we felt really um, honoured to go there. Actually, yeah. like, and judging from uh, what I saw online, it looked like you did. You did. You, you made a pretty good stab of it, didn't we you? We gave it you, a go. You yeah. got quite close to the objects. There, there yeah. was a. It was like a, a teapot with two handles. Yeah, no, two two pourers, two spouts. <laughs> I think it was partially like slightly comical idea. The yeah. idea of a, like a lost in lost in translation. Yeah, okay. uh, and. Just how you really, I think the, the, the concept underlying that was that you really have to understand a place properly to be able to design for it. That was the, yeah. the underlying concept, but right. it was a really fun process, wasn't it? Yeah, really fun. Yeah. And did you find, um, did it, um, was there anything surprising about attitudes to design or creativity in Ethiopia or, or Kenya? Something that was surprising, I think, or something I didn't think before the project that our idea obviously was really focused on objects and their cultures are quite like um, non, not so object focused as okay. ours. Like for example, there was one of the themes that we had was play and we tried to ask people what did you, or like what did you play with when you were a child and then lots of people said we didn't have toys. Or like the one, someone in Ethiopia told us that when uh, they were growing up and if they were like not behaving well their parents would say that if you behave well I give you a secret I tell you a secret and that was the best thing you could have Ah. so that was something that was really interesting it wasn't so much also just from a poverty point of view it was actually that there's just this uh, culture of sort of storytelling and it's not such a physical uh, commercial world that they live in I suppose and it's more Wow. More about community and talking. So yeah, it was that's something a, that's nice. A, about that's that. a lovely thought, isn't it? Yeah. I have to try that with my kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take your tablet away, which is yeah. so boring yeah. to me now. And them, but I'm going to tell you a secret. Yeah. If you're good. We just have to think what the secret is. Yeah, yeah. I hope a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I got my heart share no. with the kids. Um, so talk, talking of kids, um, one of them was um, 
called Space Invaders, yeah, where you worked fun. with kids to enhance their school environment. I think you worked in five schools. Five schools, you? yeah. How was that? Really hectic. It was such a busy period. It was period. a ridiculous project, but yeah. it was so much fun yes. though. It, yeah. might, it might have yeah. been more manageable to do it with one school. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, but, but working with the kids must have been... It was yeah. really, really fun, I think, because the kids don't... They didn't normally have the idea that they could actually affect change in their school environments. And I think it's a lovely thought to think that they're the experts of that space rather than adults or yeah. architects being the experts. So it was we were really their consultants in this project and we tried to like bring out of them what they wanted to do and we handed over quite a lot of autonomy didn't we and over yeah. e even that they were doing the work themselves they were painting the walls and things like that so uh, it was a really nice experience and we worked with um, three different kind of ability groups I suppose so it was really interesting to see how the creative process was different for example in younger kids to older kids fascinating can you tell me a bit more about that mm -hmm. well something that maybe we when we started we thought that the, it's going to be with it's going to be fun with the primary kids because they like they have crazy ideas. But then we thought that oh, we don't know how the secondary schools how that works. But then actually they were very critical, like really good at like looking into the space. Like it was amazing. Actually, I think that surprised me that actually the the secondary schools they like they're really an analytical. Right. Mm, yeah. They took it the really kids, seriously. Yeah. They, yeah. And that was really nice. Whereas the younger kids, they all just wanted like a mirror maze. Everyone yeah. into the mirror maze. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So the, the secondary school kids were um, were more yeah, uh, critical, I suppose yeah. is the word that they. I don't know. Yeah, and realistic, I guess. Like in terms of like really like, yeah, like they they really thought what actually would make the space better. And so did the primary kids, but it was more in the level of mirror maze. Or, right. <laughs> which they all was just fun. The mirror maze. Yeah. yeah. The younger kids. They just got behind anything. Like they were like we had, we presented them with five options, and it was like they were all had different themes. And one was like garden party, and they were all the whole room would go garden party. Like they just loved it. They loved anything. They were yeah. all for it. Yeah. But the, yeah. the the secondary students were much more, as we said, critical. So they actually rejected a lot of our ideas, but they kind of formed their own. Yeah. Right. But the conversation was useful for that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah. But for both all the groups could identify the issues, but then. The secondary um, school kids were better at coming up maybe solutions. So they had, they had that more evaluative yeah. attitude, which I guess makes the solution more practical. Did, did you feel that their creativity was sort of encumbered by, by peer pressure or any of those things or, or, or not? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far I think there is often that, that as, as the kids get older, then they feel more likely to be judged. Because I think the whole thing about creative work is you've got to be okay with looking like a bit of a fool because you suggest things that might be a bit like outlandish or a bit out of the ordinary and then so you have to be quite exposed in that way and that it's really hard being a secondary school student isn't it at the best of times without saying things that are a bit stupid or yeah. whatever so they were much more I suppose quiet in the discussions weren't they at the beginning at the beginning but that was probably also because they all in both and those secondary schools the groups were formed with like um, students from different groups that they weren't it wasn't one class yeah so I don't but, know but there's also that issue uh, the, the students that were picked were the ones that were kind of gifted at art ah, okay. so I suppose there's that idea at school you're gift, if you're gifted at art you're really good at drawing and you're probably really good at everything so they, <laughs> they were these students that were not used to really failing but they were used to be doing things right so there's, there was that idea of like I mean it's not about being right is it 
it's just about giving your view, maybe suggesting something that's like out of the ordinary, which is yeah. it's a very different thing to the world of being evaluated to whether you're right or wrong at school. So I think there's yeah. that. Wait, and which of the um, which of the five projects were you most pleased with in the end? Do you think oh, they were all so different? I kind of it's, um... the one. Well. From my perspective, there was the one where, if you see the video, there's one where they're painting the walls. It was an yes. all-girls school. They were brilliant, really, but the best thing about that was that they did it. They yeah. pushed so hard to do that work, and, they, and we said to them, you can do it, but you're doing it. And they, so they, they picked up their brushes, they took a day doing it, and they painted the whole room, did a graphic, and it was fantastic, because they, they really, they just did it. They did it themselves, and yeah. we didn't have to drag them through the process, so they yeah. really had that, that, the right spirit for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's a. I mean, it's a it's a it's a super interesting project, isn't it? And and that sense of giving uh, kids ownership and agency over the environment where they learn is 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 such an important thing, isn't it? And yeah. I, and and I guess it's very easy as a kid to feel like this is a place where you just have to kind of turn up and yeah. get adults say things at you yeah um, but 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 to make them feel involved and and like they've got some influence over over how that environment is shaped is a really important idea and maybe, maybe one that could be um, rolled out government-wide yeah. yeah let's see who's listening to this yeah, yeah. you know like the the tr like kids love playing things like minecraft yeah when we were kids we used to build dens in the forest but there's this sort of intrinsic desire to kind of shape your environment mm. that comes and and I think it's part of that, really. And to feel, to, for the kids to feel like they actually have that ability to change their world, whether it's a school, school classroom or their home or their city, to give them a voice is quite a powerful thing to do at that age. Mm. I think so. another, another project that I um, noticed uh, was Wonderwall, which is a wall-mounted kinetic installation which aims to reduce stress and increase, increase creativity. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, which, which is really nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we could reduce stress and increase increase creativity, we'd um, we'd have a better better world, Word, yeah. wouldn't we? Um, um, how, how, can you tell me a bit about how that project came about? So, at the moment, it's not on our website, but we're working on a project for a hospital in uh, in the borders of Scotland and England. And our project sits in the atrium of that space. And the, the brief for that was that the artwork needs to reduce anxiety. So that's so. Then we started to think. Well, we did a load of exercises with the kids and looking at the way that. Uh, the natural environment reduces anxiety. What is the experience in nature that calms us down? Or mm. so, and then how can that same experience be, can be created in a non-natural mm. way? Mm. And then yeah. you, you often work with sort of natural or you yeah. you refer to natural materials, so water and wind and light and the body and this kind of thing. We live in Margate. Our studios in Margate, so we're often we're we're we are surrounded by that natural environment and the way that the yeah, the water's change and the sky's change, we're really exposed to it. So I suppose we're aware of the impact that these kind of uh, situations can have on, have on the, our emotions and our psychology. And I feel that um, if, as artists, we can be part of that conversation about mental health and about well-being, we can have an Im I, I, I think we can have an impact. And I think It's I part know. of the whole idea of the everyday spaces. Yeah. And that, like, because we were thinking, like, maybe, like, in, like, workspaces and offices, then... Like, if you could have something like that, then it can really change the way you feel. Yeah. And, like, if, if for example, we put a load of Wonder Worlds in an office and it increases, maybe it's slightly optimistic, but it increases, it, it, it decreases stress and increases, um, work, like, 
productivity. Out, uh, productivity, then that would more than pay for a load of Wonder Walls, wouldn't yeah. it? So we want to be part of that conversation about how how can our projects actually yeah. bring you financial benefit, but also improve the the kind yeah. of uh, the emotional well-being of your staff. And how do you feel um, about the sort of general receptiveness to your thinking? You know, in the sense that. Um, a lot of the projects that you've done have been about enhancing people's sort of uh, awareness of where they are and the environment they're in. Your projects have been about enhancing creativity. Um, but these things to sort of the bean counters can seem quite soft. Yeah. Yet they, they make a, a massive difference to people's daily lives. But do, do, you, do you feel like you're swimming against the current a bit or? I, how, how, how is it at the moment in this brutal old world of ours? I would say that our, you, like, it sounds like we just want to do work that's kind of joyful and positive, doesn't it? But actually, you wouldn't believe the negative um, fight back we sometimes get with our projects, which is really surprising, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I think we want to speak, also speak the language of the bean counters. Like, for, for example, we'll do, we've done projects... We did a project recently for Pulse and Lacey National Trust and 66,000 people went to see it. They paid for it. And that's how many? 24,000 people that went to see the, see the same thing last year. So it more than paid for itself and it really got the word out about the, so it got the, word out about the property, didn't it? So yeah. I think it, we, want to speak, we want to speak a language that the bean counters understand, yeah. but we also want to speak a language that is maybe a bit softer at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. same thing about the workplace. We want to... To maybe do the do the research that mm. says having our projects will boost pro- productivity, mm. but it'll also make people feel a bit yes. better. Yes, and, and maybe that's a bit where your architectural training comes in, and that you're you're able to converse with the the, the more the more prosaic members yeah. of, of, of of a business, let's say. Yeah, I think yeah. you have to be able to sell it to different people, whether it's like. Whether yeah. it's whether it's the bean counters or it's the more poetic poetic minded individuals, I mean, yeah, mm. for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we first met working on a project for ITV, a brilliant project, and um, where they have invited a different artist or artists to make their channel idents, their logo animations every every week. Fifty two artists for a year. How did you find that experience? It was good. Oh, it was an amazing experience. Was it, yeah. it was did Mark's it feel di- birthday. It was my birthday that was day. It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was your birthday. No. Was there a cake? No. no. There was no cake. You didn't he didn't want to tell, tell anyone, anyone but oh, he was man. secretly enjoying it. It was the actually, best birthday ever. Yeah, the best birthday ever. Oh, it was such a fantastic really experience, honestly. And right. And, uh, and um, what, what, um, what made it feel different to, to other things that you've done? I think for, what, for me... massive film crew. No, but that was the film crew was for me the... But I think I love to like, I love the fact that we we went there in the morning and built our thing, and then we s- stood back, and then the film crew took over, and they yeah. made it something else, right. and that was really interesting with the lights and like it was just fantastic to follow that. I think mm. that was nice. Yeah, because yeah, it, it it was one of my favourites. I'm not just saying that because no, you. you're now sitting here in my, yeah. my bedroom. <laughs> um, uh, but I I think there was. Um, there was a nice rational connection, wasn't there? Your, so your, 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 your work was um, a, a rendering of the letters of ITV with these sort of um, plywood kind of arms yeah. on hinges. Yeah. There were lots of... How many were there? Like 400. 400. Yeah. And so they, they moved like sort of um, hairs on, yeah. on the arm. Exactly. You, you were talking about the emotional relationship between watching television and 
when it's good, it makes the hairs on your arms stand up. But but it had a it had a, unlike some of the works, um, it it had a, a movement to it. Yeah. You know, and some of the other ones have been great, but they've been quite static. Whereas yeah. yours yours really moved, so it's very nice to to film. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because the static ones need to have a load of camera movement to make yes. them, make them interesting. But ours, you could just have the camera looking at it, and the whole thing moved in a way which was interesting in itself I yes so. and it, it was beautifully crafted as well because we have had other ones that were sort of supposed to move and didn't quite move oh, really? okay. but you, you had a nice it was they were well it balanced worked. on the hinges we yeah. tested it yes that came through um, oh, I didn't know it was your birthday yeah <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> it's a bit late it was about six months yeah. ago now wasn't it and do you find um, the you know, living together as well as working together. Do you find? Are you able to? Sort I thought you were going to get on to our relationship. Yeah, man. Well, you know, <laughs> we're here. Um, the sun's shining. Um, but do you, are you able, do you? Do you draw a line? Do you, is it like no no work talk after dinner time, or or, no. or is it just? I think there's no. I think there's no line between private like private life and work life. Yeah. I think it's all one work of art yeah. kind of thing. Like you know. We can travel together as part of work. Everything is intertwined with the work, because, but we actually quite like the work. I yeah. Suppose. So it's all the same thing. I mean, I in, ma- in many in many respects, it sounds like an ideal situation. You know, you you you're both contributing to making work you believe in from slightly different perspectives, and you get to go to places like Uganda and yeah. Ethiopia and um, I can't remember where we shot ITV. It wasn't very glamorous, <laughs> was it? London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, part Royal. Yeah. Um, uh, but. Yeah, is it is it as ideal as it? I think it seems, is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is like kind of playing with fire, isn't it? I mean, when you tell people the facts, yeah, that we live together, we're in a relationship, and we work together, it sounds like a, a recipe for disaster. But I think we're quite. Neither of us. I. I, I mean, I, I'll speak from you. <laughs> You're not an egomaniac, and I probably, I'm probably not an egomaniac either. Yeah. And we get we're quite like-minded in many ways, and we get on well as friends. Yeah. So. So do you ever do you ever find yourselves um, getting stuck or, or running into a like just can't Brick find wall. a way? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, yeah, for sure. And it, and if so, how do you have you got any strategies for becoming unstuck? Well, I I don't know. I think it's just that I think that's when the like where collaboration is good because then. I don't know, I can imagine, or like if I would be on my own in that situation, it can be hard to find the way out. But then I feel like often the talking about like phone idea, for example, if it feels like it's not getting there, often just the talking helps. Yeah, or often just like telling the other person the idea will give you, if they say you're not, it's not a stupid idea, just keep going with it. It can often give you the belief to just give it that little push that it needs to come into yeah. like become an image or become yeah. Yeah. whatever usually so. there's the moment I like that moment when if we have like a pre for example and then I'm doing some research for it and then I feel like I found something there's a, like something that interests me but I don't know what it is and then I just say like that something like this like, like there's something about this topic for example that is interesting and then it kind of we together then find the idea for the project but it just you just get this sense that there's something yeah, but you don't know what it is, and then yeah. it's like nice in that moment to share yes. it to the other one, yeah. kind of. Yes, yeah. yes, because yeah. that, that's the trick with a creative collaboration, isn't it? it? It's a bit like sort of laying rails or something, you know, you've just got to 
both keep that f- forward momentum. Yeah. When somebody drops off, you you, you pull, pull them forward again. a bit, yeah. and 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 somehow you you get to the end of the line. <laughs> yeah. Wanted to overstretch the metaphor. A yeah. Bit. But I think there's also for me I, when I was younger, I, I always find it really hard to finish things, which is often a problem, isn't it? When yeah. You want things to be perfect. If you're a perfectionist, you want it to be perfect before you finish it. But since, like, as I kind of grew more experienced, maybe, I accept that things will never be perfect. And everything we start, I want to finish. So that's, there's a commitment that whatever we start, we finish. And even if it's not the best, we're going to finish it. Because then I think, I don't know, it's better to be like that than to just quit half the things you do, I suppose. Mm. That's not very mm. profound at all, but... Yeah, you no, know absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because you, you learn stuff, don't you? You do, Even yeah. if it doesn't turn out as... As had expected, yeah. And um, is is there a project that you've not yet done that you would like to do? Is there a sort of a profile of a of a kind of project that you you hope over the next say five to ten years you might end up making? I think the nice thing about the way we work is that we don't know what the opportunities are until they come to us. I know there are things in the future that. I'll be excited to do and I dream of doing but I don't know what they are yet and I like that and like we might find about projecting a place that we didn't even know that exists and all that sort of thing so I think that's I don't know I think I don't really, the yeah. things that we've done so far I would never have predicted them we've done projects all over the world and we've done them in amazing places like Coventry Cathedral Ruins is one wasn't it like I think if we have too much we try to control the future too much then we, leave, we yeah. kind of close ourselves down to the possibilities mm. we're really like proactive in finding opportunities but if you just sat around thinking I want to design a massive public space which is permanent and beautiful then you'd just be angry because it might not happen but other things might happen that are interesting as well we never imagined we'd do an ident for ITV but it became a really like special thing to do so how how do you make sure that you are um, you are uh, you are there for the opportunities then How, how do you make sure the opportunities keep coming we're, we put ourselves forward for quite a lot of stuff. Okay. So you'll notice our portfolio is quite broad, and that's yeah. because we're basically yeah. we find like we find all sorts of things interesting, and we don't really want to limit. We don't say we're just doing uh, permanent sculptures, but we we're open to all sorts of different mm. creative avenues, from like things that are like this size to things that are very very large. I, yeah. I think we don't put limits on what the kind of work that we do. And how, how do you achieve that practically, of, of finding these opportunities? Ah, practically. It? Well, there's a load of websites where commissions are advertised. Oh, OK. So we have a list of them. Every yeah. Monday we go Every through Monday them. Every Monday we split the list and we go right. through them and then uh, we put them in the calendar, things to apply for. Great. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of the work is actually... It's quite hard to get the work because you have to go through these tender pro- processes, yeah. which are like... It's almost like the government are looking for people to do their sewage, but they've actually ask for someone to do a, a big sculpture it's the same process yeah. so it's quite hard sometimes to be like yeah. we often think the worse the process is the the the, the, the more people are put off by it so okay. we're going to basically nice keep with it yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so yeah and, I, and I, i'm sure you've got you you um you've got ways of answering certain questions now there's yeah, um, that you, you, you you've learned quite a lot by doing it do, yeah. do, and do, do people pay for tenders Sometimes. If you're shortlisted, they pay you. Okay. Pay you a fee, don't they? Yeah. Right. They don't pay you to do all that work. It's a lot of work up front. So you have yeah. to be, like, basically an optimist to even yeah. start doing this yeah. because... But there, there, is, there is, generally speaking, some kind of fee to just... At the end of it. If no, you get no, the job. Be, yeah, I mean, but when you're pitching. I'm, I'm curious because yeah. in the world of... Yeah 
television and advertising and design where I'm from it's it's a it's a sort of a, it's a moot point these days you is know some, some good clients will make sure the pitch list is small and everybody receives a sort of a gesture at least yeah. for their time and yeah. um, whereas other bad clients will have a big pitch list and expect people to pitch for free yeah we're the, the same exists in our world as yeah. well the good clients well we, we really always try and insist, really, insist yeah. on a token gesture at least because i yeah. think if they're putting money into it then it means they actually want you to want yeah. you to do something. There's a job at the end. Of yeah. It. yeah, yeah. But it's also the clients are so different. It's different if it's like a, a big, like some commercial developer, or if it's a, some local art gallery. Like it's it's understandable sometimes if they can't put a big fee for the work. Like but it's for the design. Yeah. The tend the, the, the yeah. print pitch though. Yeah. Yeah. We try to insist. I mean, nothing good has ever come from us doing doing work for free. Because you rarely get work out, you can really get rarely get the job out of it because they don't yeah. value enough. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. It's funny, isn't it? With some projects, when you've been in it for a while, you can sort of you can almost smell, you, can. you know, whether they're good or bad. It's like you can. Yeah. sniffing vegetables in the supermarket, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. Just the way that they, the, the exchanges you have with the client, and the, the sort of whether there's a pitch fee, and the nature of the brief, and all these things give you a sense quite quickly don't they after a while of whether it's um, it's legitimate or yeah not. usually if they have unrealistic expectations from the beginning like there's no time we need an idea like by the end of today that it's like it's not going to happen yeah. mm. and but, you see those a lo- lot of those on the like when we go through the our list of websites there's lots of like projects that it's almost insulting even reading the brief it feels like that at the time of the artist is not valued at all that mm. it might be that someone's paying for the time of installing but they don't understand that you also have spent your whole life mm. working like coming up with the idea is as hard as installing something so it's yeah yeah one of the things that i really like about your work is there is a an optimism about it i think um and <laughs> we live in quite a fucked up world you know and it's easy to get a bit down with the state of things, you know, um, yet you have a you have a commitment to um, to making people's lives and environments better. If that doesn't sound too sort of you know grand, do you think you could leave us <laughs> with a few words about the role of art <laughs> in a world that is difficult at times? Why is art important? Are you being affected by Blue Monday, which was yesterday? <laughs> was it yesterday? Yeah, it was. Do you, do you know, also, I read um, an article last week that said 47.2, the age 47.2 yeah, is, is the unhappiest. I read that. I am, I am 47 <laughs> in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so m- m- maybe all these things are going on. So I wanted to, I wanted to finish on a, on a positive note, which was to ask you, what, is, um, what, is the, what role does art have to play in our fucked up world? That's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I just kind of say, I don't know, I just always think that, I don't know if that's like an, necessarily like an optimistic though, but I just see art as, like, you know, if you, um, like, we have science that is there for us as humankind, as a group to understand the world and everything. But then I feel like art is, does the same thing, but in a personal level. Um, and if you think like for example music or like song lyrics and it, they, like 
you can just say that they are just words, but then we always like we do think them like what's behind them. Like you can just have a word like there's a cup on the table, but then in the whole context, it actually means something else. Yeah. And then I think it's that kind of um, it's the sort of those meanings that like we all understand, even though they are just not they are not that it's not nothing real, but it's just words or an artwork or something. But I think that those they just helps us to understand ourselves. Brings us together. Yeah. As mm. well. And that's that's true of a lot of your work. You know, yeah. It's the shared experience of it's like talking about the function of art, isn't it? What, do, what does art, what's it for? Yeah. Yeah. It, what, if, what if our projects are, are about bringing people together to have a moment? And if we're living in this world where we're totally divided, then everyone, and every, but everyone stands there and they watch a light installation together. Yeah. They're connected through yeah. their presence in that space. So yeah. these things can be kind of intangible sometimes, can't yeah. they? But, I mean, we talk about the, the bean pushers or whatever, but I mean, they might not understand that, but is, it can be a very powerful thing to all just stand, stand in a space together yeah. and contemplate an idea or have an experience. Yeah. 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 And the world is not that bad. I think. That's I don't the think spirit. so. <laughs> yeah. We, I think there's lots of like, things that are really good in our time, yeah. better than it ever was. So. And I think maybe a lot of our work functions. I want to use that word function because it does function and it functions in a way that it makes you like appreciate something. Mm. So you you come out of your come come out of this room as a forty. Oh, I'm forty forty six point nine. I reckon forty six point nine year old. Yeah, and you see a neon project and you're like actually. That's you know it's not that bad. Look at the way the sun's hitting that thing. Yeah, I'm present in uh, in yeah. the environment like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You're kind of, you, you know, you can get lost in your thoughts sometimes, yeah. can't you? With these kind of absolutely the, yeah. the melancholy of the world. But yeah. if you're, if if our work brings you outside of your thoughts and yeah. makes you connect with the real world and have a moment, and that can be a way of lifting the spirits on this blue Tuesday, of elevating the everyday, elevating yeah. the everyday. <laughs> this is where we began. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Well, uh, on that optimistic note, um, uh, and as you steal me. For my um, nadir of 47.2 um, by reassuring me that the world is actually not too bad um, we should probably call it a day yeah, so, thank you for your time um, thank you very much indeed for coming along it's been really lovely to talk to you thank and you. thanks for um, dealing with the location change <laughs> it's alright it's uh, an interview of two parts so Velina and, uh, and Mark thanks for joining the Wind Thieved Hat thanks Richard thank you So there we go. That was Mark and Velina. I hope you enjoyed our chat. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes. It makes a big difference. Now, I'm really excited about my next guest on The Wind Thief Hat, a genuine legend of British television. It's, um, yeah, it's a lovely one. It's coming up very soon. But for now, take care of yourselves and everyone else around you at this slightly peculiar time. Big love from South Wales.